I really need to go before we start this, this Do it. situation. Yeah, awesome. Okay, that's recording now. Oh, do you know where they are? Uh, They're no, just round right? there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just okay. follow it around. Is this locked? No. No, it's not locked. You'll be able to get back in. Oh, wait, is it not? No, other direction. Push out. Okay. Really? Uh, let me try. No, I'm a bit like. I was like. I'm full. Let me try. Sarah. Let me show it's not locked. Oh, did <laughs> <laughs> Why did he lock us in? He's gonna set his bills on fire. I think he locked us in for recording. Did he actually lock us in? Yeah, we locked in. I'm claustrophobic as fuck, so this isn't fun. <laughs> but why did he lock? I'm too confused. <laughs> but he never yeah. locked us in. Wait, did he leave a key? No, he didn't give me anything. All oh, right. <laughs> this is mad. Wait, hold on. Oh my no. <laughs> no. Hello guys and welcome to another episode of Donut at the Stands. My name is Eads McKenzie. I am here today with Nick. And we're here with Chopin. And we have a special guest today by the name of... Vanessa, hi. Brilliant. Nick, you are going to say something about the podcast? Yeah, I was just going to say, don't forget to rate, subscribe, comment, all of that. Recommend to friends, socially, group chats, all of that. And just spread the name of Donut at the Stands. We appreciate the support that you've given us already. So yeah onto the show yeah i mean the reviews we've been getting so far have been amazing as well um i think we've got like 17 like yeah I saw five that. star reviews at the moment not yeah. that we're counting obviously but um yeah we're really happy of everything's been going right now um yeah it's been going well how have your weeks been guys Choppy. um <laughs> yeah my week has been cool you know just back at work really and trying to find the balance to do all my side hustles and just trying to be productive as possible and by need to rest. Um, yeah, I'm quite tired, but um, any yeah. pieces you're working on? Yeah, I was about to ask that. I do, but I want to keep that to myself. Okay, so you're not saying Is it to do with like music, culture, intersections? They're both, both about music. Okay, cool. Okay, cool. In relation to um, identity and gender and race. What was your plugins again? Like plug something? Plug something? Like, where, like where, where, where we can find yeah, your Yeah, where your work has been thus far. So, my work has been so far on Pigeons and Plains, Wonderland, Sri Africa, and you can find my work on my personal Medium page. Okay, Which is on his profile on Twitter. Yes. <laughs> Trying to help you out, man. <laughs> All right. He's so annoying about sharing his content. He's so, like, modest and stuff. I know, right? Yeah. But Nick, how about you? How's your week been? It's been good. Um, a lot of speaking over the weekend. So, it's yeah, it's quite good. Yeah, just a lot of... Um, getting things together. I've been working on pieces as well as Shoppe. Um, went to an event with you guys, which we'll talk about in a second, which was really cool. And yeah, I'm just excited for this podcast and I'm excited about special guests today. Brilliant. And just to say what we were doing, um, I'll ask the guest how she's doing in a moment. But um, this week we went to a Trevor Nelson event. So it was an event run by We Run My This. My One Way Group. 
We my, run this. I'm it, dead. My run, my runway group. It was run my my, my, my runway, runway group. group. Okay, what yeah. Shope said, and it was really good. Um, sitting down with um Trevor Nelson, just hearing about his experience in the music industry, how he kind of grew, um, his audience, uh, some of the things he's actually stood for behind the scenes, like um, black entertainment, black DJs, black events, um, some of the things you actually don't know if you would if you were to search him on Google. 100%. But um, it was a really intimate interview. Um, he was really honest about a lot of things. Um, the MTV Very Cribs yeah. thing was really interesting. Yeah. Um, can we say? Yeah. Yeah, he yeah, said, yeah. Why can't we? Okay. So basically, he was basically saying that exactly. nearly all of the MTV Cribs episodes were fake. What? So you didn't know that? Well, to be honest, it kind of, <laughs> it kind of like... I didn't know that. If you I, think, I if you think about that. it, it kind of it does like, make sense. It reflects reality TV culture where the artists on the shows get rentals and stuff like that. It makes a lot of sense. And to go forward, like I think Trevor was speaking about um, how Diddy saves his money and stuff. And he was like, he never opens a bottle. If you look closely to the video, so open like one or two bottles, but the rest of the aesthetically, just for the aesthetics really. Really? And that's what he said about Diddy. Yeah, that's how he saves money. Then he just returns the bottles after the shoots and stuff. Oh, I thought he said that the club pays for the bottles. He said either that or he does it that way. Oh, so yeah. like he th- he's a very big strategist and on saving money, which didn't surprise me, but just the nuanced ways which he did it was really cool to me and actually i'll remember that in the industry if i'm ever in those scenarios how to save money and you know just have brand partnerships and rentals and stuff like that so you get the brands to buy you like bottles and stuff instead you or i just literally have them for aesthetic and borrow borrow them if i know a friend in like that industry because yeah. there's a lot of plugins in these industries you could know someone that works in a club borrow their bottles they'll still have them for the night and then you just bring them back as long as no one drops one or if they do just pay for one versus pay for a case of 10. So, okay. And then yeah. Trevor actually was on the set of one of Diddy's videos. I can't remember what the name was. Do you remember which video it was? I no. don't, but he was with another R&B singer. I and it was, it was the Hype Williams video shoot. And he said he he could recall hearing Diddy talking to Hype Williams about how much money they're going to save and how they're going <coughs> to organize. It was Buster what? Rhymes. Was it Buster Rhymes? No, it wasn't that. My first thought was a satisfied video, but I don't think Diddy's in that song because I don't know why it would be that. Okay. But that happened and then... um. Back to the whole Cribs thing, it does make sense. Like, so obviously me being a kid, I didn't think that would be fake, but he was saying like, so he used the example of B2K. So at the peak of their career, he had like one album or two albums, but they had like this million dollar mansion and all these cars. And realistically, that wouldn't make sense. Like if they were like, you know, a well-established, you know, they'd been out here for a good 10, 15 years. Yes, maybe you could have some of the stuff that you'd be seeing on their show and along with other artists. Like Mariah Carey and Craig David had very lavish, expensive houses, which are believable considering, I think when Mariah did her career, she'd really had like, she'd been out for like 14 years. Craig had been out a good 10 years. Like, okay, it's like, makes sense. But B2K, you had one album, you ain't gonna have no... But stupid seven-year-old me was like, oh my God, wow, this swimming pool and all these cars and having a basketball court in your living room. But so the fact that he debunked it, I think we're all surprised, but I think it's just because we're all looking at it from our childhood lens, yeah. but it does actually make a lot of sense when you go older. I feel like this is the equivalent for me for like um, when wrestling fans like found out that wrestling was fake. So, you know, like that whole sitting down and watching it, you're like, oh, this is so exciting. Like, I love this. When I used to watch Cribs, I used to be like, I want to be like a Marion with like the pool and like- He doesn't even ma- have that now probably, no shade. Why not? We're not going to start that. Most can Americans I, have I pools just... in America, but it would just be like a real condo, kind of small thing. But yeah, anyway, yeah. go on. Can I just ask you, have any of you seen the Red Man Cribs? No. No. What's that? Oh, it's the best Cribs. It's the absolute best Cribs. 
he's in this like nasty sort of apartment and it's like really trash and he has like a dollar box and he's like you know when i want some stuff i just go in my dollar box and it's like the absolute opposite of all the rest of the cribs it's the best crib oh really yeah yeah i've never seen and when they're leaving at the end he's like so if y'all want to come back just rub these two here wires together it's like (laughs) no doorbell on the door it's absolutely brilliant (laughs) it's like a crack den surely that must have been fake too (laughs) i mean he's taking the fist he's obviously taking the fist the best one i rate that though it's like the complete opposite (laughs) but yeah let me introduce our guests for today um because obviously you've heard her voice now um, this is Vanessa, so I'm going to allow Vanessa to introduce herself because she has so many accolades. I think it's best if she introduces herself. Um, but kind of like in a nutshell, she owns a studio with a female. Would you say it's a, a focus on women's aesthetic? Yeah, I say it was. Um, so hi, I'm Vanessa. Nice to meet you all. Huh. Um, I wouldn't say I had loads of accolades. I'd just say that I enjoy what I do. So this week for me has been the, is marked like the sixth month that um, I've been out of my nine to five. Mm-hmm. So I left my nine to five in March and decided to do music full time, which thankfully I'm in a position to be able to do now. Saved up a lot and I've had a fair bit of support. So I've been very lucky in that sense. And um, I didn't really think about opening the studio at the time when I was leaving. It just happened that I was looking for a studio that didn't look like a spaceship or wasn't just super neutral. Yeah. So there's lots of very sort of masculine, and I don't like to use that term really, but that's the one that I'll use. Yeah. Mm. Um, studios, and I was looking for, you know, just feminine studios or just even, also don't like to put pink on women, but just looking for a studio that was, empowerment yeah looking yeah. for a pink studio or something that's sort of feminine and i couldn't find a thing like mm-hmm. i couldn't find anything mm-hmm. google image search even pinterest I thought pinterest has to have something everything is on pinterest there's yeah. nothing and i was actually really shocked because i wasn't looking there to see if it was there i was looking there for inspiration okay and there yeah. wasn't any so i was like actually this this is quite strange actually that, that it doesn't exist yeah but it just sort of says everything that you need to know about behind the scenes being okay. a problem so that's when I was like, okay, no, we really need to do this because I had a studio in my house and I was like, actually, I was going to have an office space. So I thought, actually, I'd rather have a studio space. Yeah. It makes more sense. Take it out of my house because then it doesn't have to be in my house. I don't have to listen to, you know, the focals just blaring in the next room if one of the artists is in and I'm not out of bed yet. Um, so it just makes sense for, you know, me to have a studio space. So that's that's where I got the inspiration from it, really. And it's sort of gone from there. And what's the name of the studio? It is called Cactus City Studio. So it's in What Poplar. location? It is in East London. Poplar, right? Yeah, Poplar. So it's like E14. Yeah, that's dope. That's dope. Because I, I definitely have worked with a lot of artists, like indirectly and directly. And I can account for what you're saying about the masculine studios. And it's something you don't think about, isn't it? Because there's not been that many, well, maybe not in my experience, but there's not been those complaints about the studios or anything like that. It's just been something that just happens or they change the hue and lighting or something and all that kind of stuff, but it's not an actual vibe. It's a very masculine vibe and it's very sexual vibe and all that kind of stuff. So I think it's cool what you're doing and it's so necessary. Yeah. So necessary. My engineer, he didn't think it was a, you know, something that was needed until he said, you know, so I bring in female eyes in. I just want you to clarify what exactly is a masculine studio. I'm con- just confused. So this was something that, just to indirectly, because I was going to say something afterwards. So me and Vanessa, we've met before. Um, so through Squat, I was trying to basically talk to her about her studio and just understand how it really works and stuff like that. Um, and 
obviously my business is focused on looking at studios quite a lot. So I look at studios across the world and stuff like that. And even having the conversation with her about why Vanessa started um, Cactus City, from my own ignorance, it didn't really dawn on me that something like this was needed. That's what I thought as well. Yeah. So like, that's what I literally just said. It's like, you don't think about that and the vibe ignited and stuff like that. So to kind of answer your question, a masculine studio, I guess, is something that would appeal to um, like the male gaze. So like the spaceship aesthetic. When Vanessa said that when we met, I actually laughed because the amount of studios I've seen that look like a spaceship. I mean, even Dappy talks about his studio as a spaceship. Um, I feel like that aesthetic is... I understand. I understand why you're asking the question because you shouldn't obviously say masculine and feminine and assign it to different genders, etc. Et colors and stuff like that. I but there is such a demand for a difference in terms of what people are walking into when they're recording, and I feel feel like it would change a lot of the ways that um, the recording industry is seen by people in general because it is heavily men that have recording studios in the UK, especially. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's intimidating. In it's, it's intimidating for a lot of people. And sometimes you just want to feel comfortable. And, mm. you know, a lot of women leave the industry because of sexual harassment. There's a lack of HR in the industry. There's so many people that are self-employed, so there isn't any HR. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a problem. And mm-hmm. behind the scenes, it's a massive problem. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've seen the stats, I'm guessing. Yeah. Like, you know, the percentage of female writers and producers is, is abysmal. It's, yeah. it's, mm. it's actually abysmal. And no one, no one questions it. Like you say, people don't question it until it, it's actually in your face. Yeah. No one asks why there's a room full of men in a recording studio. No one ever goes, oh, why is there no women in here? Whereas when it's a group of women, it's like, why is it all women? It's, yeah. It's a, yeah, you know, like we it's have a to problem. fight it all across society, not just in music, yeah. but in music, it's, it's we're still so far behind and it's quite sad. Yeah. And there's a massive dearth of women in senior positions at record labels. And even in regards to artists, um, most female artists, women artists are assumed to not write their own music or they have like some big group of male writers behind them. And it was an interesting quote by Lily Allen. And she said that whenever you have a big female artist, it's usually the whole angle of the woman, the man behind them. So Adele, Paul Epworth, Lily Allen, Mark Ronson, anyone else, Mark Ronson, Beyonce, Jay-Z. Whereas you wouldn't get that for like, you know, Ed Sheeran or John Newman or Sam Smith. They're just them yeah exactly i mean just to go back to talking about trevor nelson and we'll save the rest of this conversation for after like towards what would have been the new section but um he said something quite interesting which was about the way that women are kind of kept in isolation um when they're put in the music industry so he was talking about when he interviewed janet jackson um and he said something along the lines of uh, most of the superstar women i've interviewed are quite lonely and he said, um, this is what he said to Janet, sorry. So you've just signed the biggest deal. What is there left to do? And he said it very sympathetically. He was like, she said, um, buy some milk in a grocery store. That was something big for her. Um, and she was talking about how she went into a store with Missy Elliott and um, she didn't have any money on her when she got to the till. And then Missy was like, why don't you just use a credit card? And Janet Jackson didn't know that you could pay with a credit card which I find really interesting. That's and it, amazing. It kind of shows the way that the industry kind of hides women in the, in the music industry and just how they're treated in, naturally and stuff like that. Um, but we'll get into that much later on, much, much later on. Um, let's just go on to shop a section. 
But before I get into that, I just want to say overall, um, the Trevor Nelson discussion was very insightful, very entertaining. Um, he dropped a lot of gems, and it was just nice to hear his experiences with um, his um, affiliation with Kiss, Eternal, Lyndon David Hall, Soul to Soul. You just don't really realise how much he's been a part of um, Black British history, and to hear him talk in depth about working with MTV on the lick and the proliferation of radio stations like Choice FM um, back in the day. So I learned a lot. Of, I learned a lot from that, and it was great to hear from him. Oh yeah, sorry. So now it's me again. <laughs> so yeah, as always, we're gonna discuss what we've been listening to. So I think because we have a guest, I think we should have ask Vanessa to go first. So what have you been listening to this week? Um, so this week I have been listening to East Atlanta Love Letter. So black or six lat, depending on. It's six how lat. You, yeah, I know. I can't it's get six. my head around it being black. Well, but, it's six. Um, which. I actually really, really love, um, but I'm classically trained in ballet, so all the, you know, the nice classical instruments in there really play to me. Okay. Um, I've also been listening to brass tracks. I don't know if you've heard that. So they did a version of that EXO tour life. Oh, okay. Friends of Dead. Oh, like a really little nice Uzi-Vert. brass instrument. Oh, okay. Interesting. Mm. Oh, okay. I'm going to check that out. So it's, is it a band or? I well, you know, I just shazammed it yesterday and I was like, I'm th- I'm loving this. It was literally gassing me up. Like everywhere I was walking, I was listening to it and it has these beautiful peaks in it. So it, it was really, pl- it was really played to me. Okay. Say, say the name again. I think it's Brass Tracks. Brass Tracks. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, what we'll do is we'll put that in the description anyway, just when we figure it out. Um, anything else? Yes. Yeah, so uh, when it comes to male writers, I'm a huge Max Martin fan, so... I've been listening, listening to the Max Martin songs on um, Sweetener. So I haven't really listened to Sweetener much okay. um, until this week, but I've been listening to that. Okay. Which songs did he write in particular? That's the Ariana Grande album. Which album, what songs did he write in particular? So he's on God is a Woman and he's on another two, but I can't think of the, the titles of them. He wrote No Tears Left to Cry, I think. Oh, yes. Yes, he did. Yeah, obviously. Yeah, of course he did. And I think Breathing, I think, off the top so of my I head. I thought I it was think... Breathing, but I don't know if it is. It might or is it be. Savan Koche or something like that? He's a big pop writer. Yeah, so. he's on quite a lot of them, I think, isn't he? Because um, I know he worked on the album, but I don't really read credits anymore, so I don't really... <laughs> I'm aware of who it works on an album, but I don't really know who produces particular songs anymore. Well, are you, I mean, I usually can hear Max in a song, so as soon as I hear him, I'm like, okay, I need to check out which oh, how, how can you tell us a Max Martin production? There's something about the way he does them. They're really full. There's lots of counter melodies, and there's certain lovely like the way that he structures things just makes sense so it's like even you know weekend can't feel my face like that was something that was kind of like a new spin there was a lot of it was just like hook all the way through Mm. so it's something that max does he's he's he takes things and he you know he's just amazing he's just amazing i can't explain he's my (laughs) he's 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 my favorite writer but i'm a as i've said to you before we started recording I'm a big Britney fan, so. Yeah, we got a Britney stan in the building, guys. <laughs> what are Britney stans called again? The... I said they have a name. Really don't know. No, I don't no know. Idea. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm not that much of a stan that I'm a Britney stan <laughs> in, the, in the crew. Well, All I know is they call her the Holy Spirit. <laughs> really? 
<laughs> the holy what spirits? Because the name is Britney Spears. Oh, spirit. Holy spirit. Oh, okay. No, I, I know it wasn't Holy Spirit. <laughs> I was just gonna say that. I know it wasn't that. But but why is um why Mariah uh, Mariah Carey fans called lambs? I don't really know, but I'm just gonna say this. Now. Aren't you a lamb? I am a lamb, but I don't know why where it comes from. Why are you coming at me like that? <laughs> no, because I thought I think stands no no. It's not a bad thing. I was just like I thought you'd know. So, so I am a lamb. Wait, you're a what? Are they, beehive? You're from the beehive. Yeah. And you're a lamb. Yes, I'm also many things. Fun oh, times. and what's the Janet Jackson stand called again? I don't think she has a name for her fam. Okay. Well, no, the Jan fam. That's it. But you know, but she's new to this Twitter social media thing. She's just she's doing it well. Her ASMR and all that. Oh but, yeah, um, she's good at the. But no, stands. I just want to make this clear. I don't stand for just those three. I stand for a lot of different people. I just want to make that clear to the the record show. Anyway, um, as for why Mariah calls them lambs, I don't know, but around the daydream era so it's like 95 96 she just decided to start calling there probably is like a video online somewhere where the root of that came from but i don't actually know <laughs> particularly why but yeah we're called the lambs the lamely and i'm a proud one mariah forever okay anyways um so nick <laughs> Oh, I'm still kind of chopping it up and deciding what I want to share. So Eden, can you go first, please? Okay, cool. So I've been in a bit of a weird mood lately when it comes to music. I say this every single week. Um, but in terms of what I've been listening to on repeat, for some reason, I've been in a Tevin Campbell mood. Mm. Um, so I've been listening to Can We Talk? I'm Ready. Um, I gave the best of Tevin Campbell a go yesterday. Really good album. Um, 2001, and some of the videos still look like they're from the 1980s. But um, yeah, I love the sound. What, what came out in 2001? The best of Tevin Campbell. It's well, a his greatest hits. Yeah, it's his greatest oh, okay. hits. It's not, it's not an actual album. It's just a compilation okay, of his I best songs. Because like 97. No, no, no. It's just like a compilation <laughs> of all his best hits. Um, so I've been listening to that. Um, really good album. Love his voice. It's a shame the way he was exited out of the music industry. There's so many theories around that. Um, I have my own, which is why I won't watch certain documentaries. Um, and yeah, so Tevin Campbell, I've also been listening to Marcus Houston. So the Naked album, um, really, really good album. Can you? <laughs> Shelby's making faces, sorry. But really good album. Um, I feel like he set, him and Murray on B2K, et cetera, they kind of set for can you can you let me finish my sentence before you give me a weird you looks? can have your opinion have your opinion i'm going to but it's just I'm the way i feel the looks <laughs> i feel like he set a precedent for how these like the r&b artists nowadays are um what i didn't say no but your face is saying everything just speak nah, just like, <laughs> and then he can speak i just feel like he set a precedent um for not him but like that era um of b2k omarion um, Marcus Houston, et cetera, et cetera. They set a president for this generation, um, especially when Chris Brown was coming in and stuff like that. Um, obviously there were influences before that. Um, but yeah, I was listening to that. Um, what else was I listening to this week? Oh, Amalu. So she has an album called, it's either Triple D or DDD. Really good album. Um, she has a video out called DDD, which is basically all three songs. Um, it's an oh, EP, I love that. I yeah, love it's an EP, that. not an album. But um, she has a video out just kind of showing all the songs in like, uh, um, what is it? Uh, music interpretable videos. I can't remember what they're called. Um, interpretation videos, whatever they're called. Short film. Visual album. Whatever. That's it. Yeah. Um, really, really good. Um, people were talking about the way she looks and how she kind of has a, uh, what's the word? It begins with an A. Uh, aura? No, not aura. Aesthetic? No. Do you know when um, women 
actually. Hello? No, never mind. I can't remember the word. I'll figure it out at some point. Um, but yeah, really good album. The way she kind of refixes and the way she makes R&B is really interesting. Um, it's completely different to anything I've heard before in a while. It's kind of like, it's not a similar sound, but it's like when I discovered FKA Twigs, just because FKA, she did something completely different. I know she copied Kalela quite a lot. That's kind of what a lot of people say. Um, she Kalela released a new album recently, which is what yeah, Shopee yeah, was telling yeah. me. What it was like a remix Kalela of all released, the so basically Kalela, sorry. Yesterday was the year anniversary of her debut album, Take Me Apart. So she released a remix album, which um, was really surprising because you don't really have those anymore. Like that used to be quite the thing in like the nineties and the two thousands. Like so, people like Madonna and Jennifer Lopez, Mariah Carey, Jack Jackson used to do that. So people released like remixes of songs, but I don't think I've heard of a remix album. In, a very long time and um yeah so just a remix album of all of the albums i think kitchenada is on there i think um and a bunch of other producers i haven't heard it yet but i'll be checking it out this week cool so just to repeat what those were it was marcus houston naked amalu ddd and the best of tevin campbell i'm gonna throw um, mahalia in their seasons quickly and that's all for me i'm talking about mahalia anyway so oh, okay cool go on next um i've been listening to a lot of music this week but i think I'll go to yesterday because it's the most recent um, in my head. So I listened to T.I.'s Dime Trap and I fucking loved it. I think he discusses a lot of um, topics which are on his mind, like in terms of his awakening mentally where he is now, in terms of his love life, in terms of his political um, affairs, in terms of like artists and the industry and where he thinks it is right now. Um, he goes back to like Atlanta sound in terms of big bands and all of that. And it really sounds quite evident along all of the album. Like I miss storytelling from albums nowadays, especially from the trap era. And I think he as the trap Lord, the trap God to some people, um, traps first. Um, I think he sets a precedent and I think he's, He's more consistent in the culture for me than Gucci Man. I think that he definitely can translate a whole album where I can listen and actually take in stuff lyrically compared to like Gucci, which I love Gucci's the other side of the spectrum. And he's let a lot of artists in through his label, Grand, um, not Grand Hustle, his label. But I think T.I. in a different sense still keeps that quality there of music, which old heads love and they respect as well. So I really appreciated the album. Features quite a lot of people like Thugger. Um, it appreciate it. Um, feature sorry Meek Mill Jeezy so it kind of gets along that whole old sense of what trap was and that new sense of what trap was in that redefined era so I fuck with it heavy Tiana Taylor's great on it as well um and yeah it was a really good album really good album for me and then I was listening to um I don't Duckworth I think you pronounce it like that but um he released a new single called Soprano yesterday um, I don't know if he's gearing up for a project, but he has been releasing, he released like two singles. I think he's got a low social media presence right now, like 10,000 followers on um, Twitter and stuff, but he reminds me so much of Amine and um, Gold Link. So that whole new sound, that messing with the Catronadas, that kind of fast spitting over um, fast beats as well. Um, and I like his wordplay sometimes as well. I think he transitioned quite well in the song. The first minute and a half of it's really slow, classical and stuff like that. And him just talking over the track, then it just switches up into that whole gold link kind of flow. Um, and I really mess with Darkweb. I really think he's going to be a part of the future scene. He'll tour a lot on festivals um, and 
yeah, I just think he's doing something different. And I like people that do something different in the industry and challenge the conventions. He could have easily done this over a trap beat, but he like experiments with his sound and challenges the peripheries of music right now. And lastly, I'll say that she finally got it right. Justine Sky, she got a sing- she released a single called Build featuring Aaron Ray, who we spoke about last week. Um, she's been very sporadic in her releases, focused on more influencer culture kind of stuff. And I've been wanting her to really challenge herself and take her sound seriously. I think this sound homes in on what her voice is kind of um, geared more towards, which is that 90s sound, that kind of, I heard Destiny's Child, I don't know the exact song, but old Destiny's Child sampling on the beginning of the record. And I discussed it with a friend yesterday and we were both on the same page. This is the music she should have made ages ago. Mm. Rock Nation haven't really supported her in terms of like getting her with the right people. Or at all. Um, nice. Or at all. I think she's she's been alone for a while recording. I've I've noticed a change like you can kind of tell when someone's just going through it or recording or something and I think she's definitely taken the lessons from her debut album which was actually released at the top half of this year didn't gain traction but um I think she's learned the lessons of that album and she's really trying to create a serious sound now Aaron Ray and Justine do good jobs and I think Justine vocally is only excelling in my opinion um, even though there's still a way to go, like the nasally kind of stuff, there's still a way to go with that. But I think it's a really good step in the right direction. And I'm loving where r and is going right now with these ladies just leading new, the new era of it. So it's good. It's a shame that um, Justine Sky is much bigger than she actually is at the moment. She mm. should be huge, yeah. in my opinion. She has all the, the Aaliyah aesthetic, the vocals, the brand partnerships, all of that. Um, I just think that they haven't harnessed it in the right way and mm. made her an individual. I don't yeah. I think people still don't know who Justine is and they thought that purple hair aesthetic would do the job, but it just, it, no. That's interesting. She used to, um, she used to be in the Jenna crowd, didn't yeah. she? Yeah. But then they kind of ousted her. Oh. No, she ousted them. Oh, she ousted them. of Travis Scott and stuff like that. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, I heard about that. Yeah. Um, but cool. Was that... It's you next, right? Yeah. Speaking of Rock Nation, so the first artist I'm going to mention is also another Rock Nation artist that they fall, let fall by the wayside. So Bridget Kelly... She's still signed to them? No. Oh, I was going to say. She saw sense. Um, so I mentioned Bridget Kelly very briefly when Nick was talking about Rora James last week. So um, I've actually been listening to pretty much our entire catalogue this week, but I'm going to focus on the album... She released this year called Reality Bites, which actually is finally her debut album. So she's released three EPs before this, loads of singles. Rock Nation weren't doing anything for her. So she independently released her first album finally this year called Reality Bites. And she quietly released one of the best R&B albums of the year. It's a very, 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 very solid project. Um, great songwriting, wonderful vocals. What I love about Bridget's voice is just the fact that even though she has the capabilities to do all the histronics and all the great big notes and everything she can really sell a song with just her natural tone just her natural delivery and phrasing and that really is shown well throughout the entire album so songs that i'm gonna mention are some of my favorites there's a song on there called something there's a song on there called sedated move my body which kind of has like a nice Afrobeats vibe on there and then should have been you. And also she has a song with Ro James as well called Love You For A Distance. Next up is, um, I'm gonna get the good out of the way before I get into the bad. Um, the good, the bad is Lil Wayne. Um, 
Secondly, we're going to talk about Eden's girlfriend, the love of his life, um, Mahalia. I was about to shut down this whole podcast. So <laughs> I was about to shut it down. She released her EP Seasons a few weeks ago. Um, Eden did a post about this on our Instagram page. Follow us on Instagram, by the way. So I finally checked it out this week and I really, 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 really enjoyed this project from her. Sounds surprised. I'm I'm a fan of her, so oh, I'm okay. be surprised. Okay, no, just continue. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, no. Um, so I'm just happy that she released um, a project this year. This is what this will actually mark her first project since um, Diary of Me, which came out in 2016, 2015. And um, I just really like how she's really stepping forward and delving into more decidedly R and B sounds because before she kind of had like this little acoustic soul. Um, India Irie kind of vibe, which I did love and I hope she does more of that but I love how she's gotten much she's taken more stock in her Lauren Hill influence her Erica Badu influence and even just like oh it's like a Kerry Hilson because there's I get a lot of Kerry Hilson vibes on this up on the EP too and really yeah there's a song on there called One Night Only which definitely could have been on Kerry Hilson's first album it's okay. very much in that vibe in the perfect world okay um part of the Dawn product kind of production um, but yeah, I'm not gonna really say my favorite song is only five, but my top two, if I had to say, would be Honeymoon and That's Okay. Those are my what? Favorites. That's the worst song on the whole album what? or EP. That's Okay. That's a great song. No, man, song's okay, terrible. Well, well, that's your opinion. You also think Seasons with Khalid and Slack is a great song. Well, it it's is not. It is. It's not. So to you, yeah, exactly. Okay. And to you, oh, okay. yeah. Okay. Thank you, Nick. To you, to both of us. How long is this EP? It's five songs. Okay. So it's a nice, easy listen, get through in 20 minutes. And lastly, so those are the two good ones. Can I just ask a question? Go on. Did you not like Good Reason? I love the whole album, EP. Okay. I love it all. But my personal favorites. So unlike you, I actually, I like everything. Okay. I love all five songs, but my favorites were One Night Only and That's Okay. Okay. And that's all right. And that's okay. Yeah, it is. It sure is. It's not right. <laughs> it's and lastly, okay. I've, um, I, it, it took me a while to get through this album, but, you know, praise be to God, Jehovah, Jairai. I got through it finally. The Carter Five by our dear friend Lil Wayne. <laughs> <laughs> Now, I can't really say I was disappointed by this because I wasn't really looking forward to this anyway. And now I'm going to preface this. I'm a huge Lil Wade fan, just like I love T.I. And I agree with Nick's point, actually, that T.I., even though he's kind of past his commercial sell by day, he's not really in the conversation of the big rappers. T.I. still genuinely makes good music. I actually I haven't listened to this new album yet, but Nick, what was his last project? T.I.'s last album? I actually don't remember. Whatever that was, I can't remember now, but that was a solid project as well. And um, so T.I. for me has always been consistent. But Lil Wayne has just, the last seven or so years, it's just been a lot of hit and miss, more so on the miss side. And I will say with this album, it's by no means bad, by no means, but- Paperwork 2014. There we go. That was a good album. Um, Was it? What? There's an album before that. Is that what you're talking about? What? There's an album before that called Us or Else. Letters to the system. Oh shoot! Yeah, there is that. Oh, big crit on that. Sorry, yeah, I'd, big crit. Yeah, well, big crit. That was the album yeah. I was referring to anyway. Didn't even know that came out. <laughs> um, but you yeah, know, so I wouldn't even say this album was bad or, or anything. I just think it suffered from the fact that it's twenty three songs. It didn't need to be there, and there's a lot of dead weight. There's a lot of filler on there that just didn't need to be on there. So I feel like if it was just better formatted, better executive production by whoever he was working with, 
it could have been a solid project. I think it needed to be 12 or 14 songs. But saying that, even the songs that I did like, I didn't like love them. There weren't songs that I was rushing to hear again. It was just like, oh, that's kind of nice. It's cool. But saying that, I will share my, my favorite, my favorite songs. And those were Dedicate, Dark Side of the Moon, Dope Niggas, Took His Time, and Demon. You didn't like the Kendrick song? No. No, no. That's one of the only things that saved it for me like personally. It. And the things I wanted to, I wanted to love it because obviously it's Kendrick Lamar on track, but I just didn't think the song did anything. It didn't do anything for me. I think the production was just kind of very middling. Very, it's kind of like that middle of the road, big strings and like hardcore hi hats, which I just, which you heard loads of like 2010, 2011, like that kind of Skylar Grey kind of. Nick will know. Who was the producer Eminem was working with? Skylar Grey? What's that white kid? Alex the Kid. That's his name. It was that kind of production, which I didn't really care for it back then anyway. And that was the vibe it got. And Kendrick's verse was just kind of weird. Okay. But yeah. And lastly, I've got one more thing. So I'm not going to go into it. i say, common between me, you, between me, you and Liberation. I won't say anything else, but it's just a fucking incredible song. It's like seven minutes long. Check it out from the Electric Circus album. And I'm done. Cool. Are you going to say something? No. Oh, I thought I heard something in the headphones. Um, I just want to give one shout out to August Alcina. Um, this is just really random. I just remembered it. But um, he left the game for a bit because he had a very serious um, liver disease. Um, I can't remember what it is, but he had something that was wrong with his disease. He's also allergic. He's at yeah. He's also has an addiction to um, Percocets, mm-hmm. um, and he lives with the Smith family now. So what Smith family? Is that actually true? Yeah. He's on Red Table and he spoke about it. Wow. And, yeah, and um, mental health stuff. Yeah, a few mental health stuff. It's a mental health episode if you want to check it out. Um, but yeah, he released a new song recently. It's very vulnerable. Um, I'm actually just trying to remember what it's wouldn't called. Leave. Yeah, Wouldn't Leave. Um, it just reminded me how much I actually like his voice and his very vulnerable um, lyrics. He always spoke about all of the struggles that he's gone through um, when his brother died and stuff like that. But yeah, it was a really, really good song. For me personally, I enjoyed it. Um, he, I think he still has a place in the R&B section of the industry, but we'll see what happens. Hopefully he works through all of these things that he's going through. But yeah, main topic. So obviously this week we don't have a new section. There hasn't been a lot that's been going on really. Um, I think Charlie Sloth was the only thing we were going to talk about. But to be honest, we're just going to see how things pan out rather than have a whole conversation about it. Um just for a quick update for anyone who tunes into this podcast for updates, Charlie Sloth has left BBC One Extra. Um, so there's a slot now. Um, there's a whole conversation about who should fill that slot and stuff like that. We don't feel like we should have that conversation because we don't really pay attention to the DJ scene that much, or at least More BBC importantly, One Extra. He went to Apple Music as well, so they pouched him yeah. in the deal. If you want to read it, Music Business Worldwide, Charlie Sloth. Yeah. But anyway, I wanted to... Well, we wanted to have a conversation with Vanessa today um, just to talk about a few things um, to do with the music industry, to do with um, women in the music industry, with artist management, just to kind of paint a picture of how things work, how things should work and how things haven't been working. Um, One thing that I thought worked really well in the last podcast is when we, we didn't really give advice, but we spoke about black pop stars and how... Um, to infiltrate the scene properly so that you're successful. So um, obviously MNEK, we were talking about that and how a black pop star in the UK is a very difficult position to fill. Um, and 
labels don't really know how to market people properly. But I thought it would be an interesting conversation with Vanessa if we spoke about what she does, um, the difficulties she's faced, um, some of the stories from her artists, if she feels like she wants to share them <laughs> or just any stories she may have whatsoever. Um, so yeah, should we just start with you just talking about artist management? So how you got sure. into that, what it is. And tell us who you work with. Yeah. Okay, so... Um, just let you know, if you're able to just speak directly into it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> my bad, sorry. I'm like, as soon as the weather changes, my joints get like really stiff. So I'm like wriggling around in this seat. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, so how I got into artist management, it just happened naturally, really. I think it happens to a lot of people mm -hmm. naturally or by accident because it is one of the thank most thankless jobs in the industry. I can tell you that. <laughs> so it wasn't on purpose that I did it. I, I was writing songs with um, a good friend of mine. So we used to um, do music together years ago, so maybe like eight years ago. You used to make music as well? Yes, I did. Yeah. So oh. I've, I've always written music. I've, I've been... But did you sing or rap or anything like that? No, I was more of a writer. Oh, just a writer. Okay. Yeah, you know, we just... Some people write music because it's one of those things they used to do. And I used to do it all night long until like 5am, which was a bit unhealthy really, but it, it, it made me happy at the time and okay. I had a schedule that allowed it. So um, I just started writing songs with a good friend of mine. Um, years and years and years ago, I just showed her how to write a song. She, she was really interested in it. Okay. And um, we both went to Thailand together and then we went off to university in I think 2012. And she carried on writing. I didn't really, because I went to study law quite intensely. Um, and her writing just improved just dramatically. She was just incredible. Yeah. Honestly, I was just blown away by the way that she was putting songs together, the structures, the topics, the melodies. They were just so interesting, but so beautiful. So I was like, you really need to go and be an artist because yeah. quite clearly you're very attached to a lot of these songs. And they're, they're really good hmm. you know it's actually impressive um this is about three years ago and she said yeah that's that's that, you know i actually would really like to do that and yeah. you're the only person that really is pushing me to do that but if i am going to will you manage me because you're better with people than okay. i am and, and you know i like to do my art but i don't particularly enjoy dealing with people yeah so that's how I kind of fell into it. I said, yeah, you know what? If we're going to do it, we might as well do it properly. And I asked her to, to move to London. Okay. So I moved her into my apartment and just went from there, really. Um, just kind of snowballed to a point where, um, I mean, I, I get approached regularly, but I think a lot of artist managers do. Okay. Um, into, to, to, be, to, to work with people. Um, so my roster is... I've taken it offline because it's had a big change up this week, so I can't really talk about it. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> but it's had a big change this week. Um, but so I've, my, my main artist has been in development for three years, which is quite a long time. But I didn't think it was the right thing for her to do to release something that wasn't right. Okay. Um, and she's finally ready to release, so it is coming very, very soon. Okay. And I'm looking forward and to it. And what's her name? Her name is. <laughs> under wraps as well that's fine that's fine yeah it's completely un like, everything's just completely embargoed yeah embargoed yeah i'm completely like so there's, so there's no artists you can share on your last year's roster I, I can so i have been working with um a producer in the netherlands called shafiq roman um and his artist called ravi okay so they are a duo um from the netherlands and they are Surin surinam indian okay so i don't know if you know mm -hmm. surinam 
um and the, you know they're an incredible duo artist producer duo um and they've been doing some really cool stuff and she's got 12 songs coming out over the next year so okay should be fun. but i just want to backtrack just quickly mm-hmm. so you said you went to go study law yes how come you didn't follow that route what made you decide to go into artist management because i know you said you had a nine to five before this yes i did but was the passion just there what what made you want to continue into the music industry it is the love for it really because i mean if you are here desperate to get rich quick it is not the place to be like yeah. if i went to get rich quick i would have invested a lot of money into you know property or something years ago which i haven't done i've invested into studio equipment and that's not the, the way to get rich quick i can tell you that yeah um it is just purely because i love it and also because i believe in the music that w- we're making like if i didn't believe in the music that we're making then i wouldn't put myself so heavily involved in it but i do believe in it okay i listen to it every day i i get the, the luxury of being able to do that whereas obviously everyone else yeah. can't do that at the moment i get the luxury of being able to do that and you brought up an interesting point about how the artist that is under embargo that um, <laughs> she was going to put out something we didn't think she was ready mm-hmm. which is something you're not really seeing today now like we're living in this very kind of quick fire microwave recyclable just put stuff out just so you have content out mm-hmm. so I was going to ask what are your thoughts on the tradition of artist development that we kind of was more prevalent in the 90s the 80s all the way back to the 60s really mm-hmm, mm-hmm which has kind of fallen by the wayside and it becomes somewhat extinct now. You don't really have, especially with UK artists, we don't mm. really have artist development. It's just kind of, you know, social media following. Is your sound going to work on radio? Is it going to get the streams? Mm. So to talk us through your opinions of that and how that um, seeps in with the artists that you work with. So I think for me, what I really care about is someone having longevity of their career. Um because a lot of these artists at the moment, they, t- they they do turn around so quickly, but it's not just, you know, the songs that they're making, it's the artists themselves. They mm. fall off so quickly. And mm. I think you, you, that's not sustainable. It's yeah. great for the big businesses behind it. It's great for, you know, the Apple Music and the Spotify, because there's loads of content that's been pushed forward. And they've, <coughs> they've constantly got new things to push to people because people do have short attention spans now, but it's not good for the actual artist themselves. I mean, it's terrible for, you know your self-esteem because it's mm. so easy to fall off mm. i mean people are so quick to get cancelled now as well because that's that's a thing that must be must be really really tough yeah but i do still think that it's important to you know create a project that you really like i think for me mel- mental health comes first before music i always say that to my eyes in, in behind the scenes i'm like you know as much as music comes first to me um from a perspective of the industry mental health comes first mm. so if you're not ready or the music's not ready and you, you know you, you don't really love it and if someone else doesn't like it then it's gonna it's gonna hurt because artists are really attached to their art they're really sensitive yeah. beings mm. um so that to me is really important that one it's right they feel comfortable doing it and it's it really is a true representation of them so that's 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 where i stand in it. I, I, it's it's tough because of course everyone wants to make it a career and I understand you know actually sometimes putting out a lot of content is the right thing to do if it's if it's good and you know you you want to get a check and that makes sense sometimes because actually if you need to support your career and you can't stand to be doing a nine-to-five to support it and save up money for PR or a budget then you know there are other ways of doing that with music it's good that we have that accessibility yeah to be able to just you know go to a distributor pay 20 quid for a year okay. essentially put out as much music as you want um but it's, it's tough. I think it's tough for, let's say, the longevity of your career. You don't see those lengthy careers anymore. I think that's yeah. sort of 
not stopped, but it. I think Beyonce was at the, a good point for her because social media hadn't really become a big thing when she became big and you could still be far removed from that kind of artist. Mm. Whereas now everyone's really involved with artists and very close to them. Yeah. And I don't think you will see another Michael Jackson or anything like that where people are so excited to see them to the point where they're nearly dying in the audience mm. because they're mm. so close to them. They're so touched. They can touch them pretty much there's daily still, by adding them. There's still that kind of um, separation with like Beyonce. There is, exactly. Yeah, but because that's she because was, she was at the right that's time. That's because she comes from a generation where she means other artists. Oh, you mean, okay. So I think what you're saying is that back in the day, having mystique and having a degree of um, being unknown, just being known for your music, mm-hmm. not known for your scandals, mm-hmm. personality, who you're dating or posting, that was kind of seen as a good thing. Whereas now it's kind of almost imperative mm-hmm. to have. And I can, I can even say this from a PR standpoint. So whenever the artists that we work with, we always ask, what's the story? Yes, the music's good. Yes, the talented, but mm. what kind of features can we put, mm-hmm. pitch? What kind of um, publications can we work with? Because yes, the music's great, but that's not enough anymore, mm-hmm. unfortunately, even though it should be. And that even goes from the lower level to the ones who were even signed to the biggest labels. Mm-hmm. You always have to ask, how can we sell them? Mm. And it's not about just the music anymore. Whereas you had like, you know, your Michaels and your Princes and your Beyonce's, they were just like, okay, this is my music. I'm talented. Now leave me alone. Exactly. You can't have that anymore. And even just this um, pension that like, oh, you should be tweeting more. You should go on Instagram more. Oh, do a, a hashtag questions, ask your fan questions, stuff like that. So what I was going to ask, say to you is, did you um, instill that in your eyes? Do you feel that they need to do that too? Or are you going to try and bring back a more traditional or more old school approach to how artists interact with the public it is very difficult because i try to be very forward thinking because i do embrace technology i appreciate that this is the world that we live in um i think but i am very old school like like say my artist has never lived with me and i've watched their development i've seen it like under my roof and you know sat down with them and there with the creative process and and you know there to hold their hand essentially sometimes so it's, it's quite personal experience artist management for me and it's not always for everyone it can be quite corporate for a lot of companies which is fine it works for a lot of people um i'd like to bring it back to that older generation of where it was um we're looking at working with more high art type places rather than the you know the boohoos you know no offense to the boohoos but that's not really the, the, the sort of aesthetic and the you mean boohoo clothing line yeah oh okay okay yeah, yeah. <laughs> um that's not really what what we're going for with with this the stuff that we're looking to bring out um we, we do want to keep it authentic to what it is and it's, it's difficult it'll probably take longer um but that doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad thing i mean my aunt's had brought stuff out in the past she still has a lot of fans messaging her regularly um, who she has a lot of conversations with like i miss your music you know like because she's she's put things out before before i got involved um she's like i miss your music you know like when are we gonna see something from you and they're all they're still there you know she still does have her her, her little fan base that's still there which is really nice it's nice to have stands i guess yeah um so as long as they're, they're not there crazy. waiting so yeah yeah, yeah completely i mean they're, they're I mean, they I think sweet. stands by definition are crazy. Yeah, I guess so. so I guess so. Yeah. I should say super fans. Well, stands, <laughs> that's what they are versus fans who are just people who enjoy the music. Stands usually get involved with everything to do with the artist. So I think that's the kind of difference between the two. Would you agree? 
I disagree because like back to the whole lamb and beehive thing. I would say I'm I'm a lamb, I'm part of the beehive, but I'm not I'm not out here. Yeah, I'm not gonna argue with you if you don't like an answer. Like I'm not gonna But we just kind of created a distinction between Beyonce and Mariah Carey, for example. They're from the older generation who kind of mm-hmm. keep their their lives separate to the music. Whereas nowadays people who are so invested in certain artists, they will come for anything to do with the artists from their personal life because they have to do it. Um, I'm trying to think of like Nicki Minaj, for example, all the, okay, I know we we have like a no Nicki thing <laughs> that's been going on, but that's the only one I can think of at the moment. The Barb's, they love knowing about Nicki Minaj's life. They love defending her about everything. Whereas with Beyonce, it's the same thing, but Beyonce keeps everything secret, everything well, not wraps. really. Beyonce has definitely succumbed to, I wouldn't say the pressures because she does it on her own terms. Mm-hmm. She definitely has been more open. Like, we definitely know more about her now than we did, let's say, five years ago. Like, mm-hmm. in terms of sharing pictures of her children, or even just sharing pictures of stuff she does with her family and mm-hmm. holidays she goes on, even sharing like birthday stuff she does. Like, she's definitely a bit more, and Mariah Carey too, that definitely are. But it's not to the point where it's literally like every day or it's like these real detailed anecdotes about this person pissed me off today Mm -hmm, or mm -hmm. I went to the store and this happened or like even this, like I'm sure Nick saw this, K Michelle, like there was someone on her porch outside and she recorded herself telling them to get the fuck out of her porch. And it was hilarious. It was funny. (laughs) But you would never see one of the older artists doing that. Yeah, yeah. You wouldn't even know that happened. Yeah. yeah. But she obviously does that because she can see that's content, that's viral. And it, it endears her to, okay, I'm funny, but by the way, my iTunes link is here, my Spotify link is here, mm. buy my album. And also someone like her, she has made a career of herself as talented as she is. Who are we talking about? Kay Michelle. She's made a, a career and a living off herself of being quote unquote ratchet. Okay. Quote unquote controversial. Okay. So, so yeah. I have, Two questions. Um, the first question is just going back again. So artist management, what does it entail? So what, what's your day-to-day? Um, I mean, it's different every day, which is one of the best things of the job, really. Okay. Um, so it depends. Sometimes we're in studio, sometimes we're on set. So when you're in studio, you're, what would you be doing? Just take booking the session and... So it, it depends. Um, Obviously, you've got your own studio. Yeah, I've got but... my own studio. So it's not... Uh, when it's artist management, it's separate to my studio, I'd say. Okay. So when I'm in the studio with the artist it's either you know we're working with instrumentalists or actually writing the tracks or just recording and making sure it's right um, okay. i'm quite picky about things okay so you have a say in the music that's made and everything i try not to but if someone's asked me for an opinion then yeah. i'm gonna be honest with it okay um, and if i think if I, I think find, that's your job though yeah it's completely it's your job. yeah and if something's wrong then I'll say as well. Like sometimes, I don't like to say something's wrong, but sometimes I'll say there's something wrong about this and I'll explain what it is. Um, I'll never come and say that's wrong just because I think it's wrong. Okay. Um, and sometimes there's moments where you give an opinion and, you know, you say, you know, you can do what you're doing or you can do this. I'm not saying do what I'm saying. I'm just giving you an option. So I'll- Okay. So do you think to an extent an artist manager, they need to know about music or they need to have like an ear for music to an extent? Not always. Some, I mean, there's some great managers out there who are just business focused. Um, you know, a lot of the best law- management managers have been lawyers in the past because they understand how to use licensing and copyright and make the most out of you know the artist's money and negotiation and, and, skills. Yeah, and and content. Um, so not always. It's you know you can to sell anything really. I mean, there's lots of artists who aren't very good, 
and it's quite clearly not Say very that good. again, let's just, <laughs> just that one more time. Say that again. There's lots of artists who aren't very good. That's right. That's they, still, they still do well. It's not always about whether the artist is good or not. It's just whether about you can sell what, what they're peddling. It's a business. Yeah, it's a business yeah. at the end of the day. So not always, but I think it's good that when artist managers can be involved, like it's nice for me to be involved. It works for me, okay. um, but I, it might not work for everyone. It yeah. doesn't always work for every artist as well, because sometimes, you know, I can give my opinion to an artist and they don't want to hear it always. And that's okay as well. Um, sometimes they'll come back and tell me I was right. And sometimes they'll want to go do their own thing, but I'll never make someone be someone that they're not. Yeah. But I also will be very clear with someone if I don't think something's going to work. And, I, you know, if I've got a bit of the budget sometimes, which, okay. is, which happens occasionally. I'll give an artist, you know, an advance to, to help them out with a, a career. Yeah. If but, I don't think it's going to work, then I won't. Yeah. <laughs> That's as simple as that. It's a risk. It's a risk for everyone. It's a risky industry. But the reason I asked that question was for two reasons. One, because there seems to be a trend at the moment. Um, so Stormzy tweeted ages ago that um, you should make the people in your immediate circle part of your team mm -hmm. just stupid. so okay yeah i guess so but it's like it's the idea that anyone can be an artist manager for example and a, and a lot but of did artists he specify that role though because i feel like no, he no, means no. like give break bread if it's literally that thing he means like maybe break bread to the people that helped you before yeah so not not, not necessarily in... positions like that's going to be my manager definitely do yeah. you know what i mean i think there's that's a bit not of a how difference. i interpreted it i interpreted that as but you can interpret it that way or you could interpret it, oh, you have to make them your manager. You could like, literally, there could just be people in your team that like, you just assign different roles to, like not necessarily the manager, but they could just be no, but promotions even, no, but, no, but, or some no, shit. But, but even that, that's that's kind of stupid because what what what, what skills do they have? Like, Didn't really have Melissa thought her best friend as like someone on her team, like her best friend from Barbados, like Rihanna. I don't think Melissa works with Rihanna. But she was definitely getting paid by for by Rihanna to, to do what I don't know what it was, but she was definitely paid. As far as I know, I think Melissa just travels with her, and that's like a friend. I don't think Melissa actually works. Okay, so her. Melissa, just unless you know otherwise, do was you? She, was she a stylist or something? Yeah, I think she's a stylist and a yeah. photographer as well. She has a photography company, I believe. That's what, we're talking about Rihanna, the singer, and her best friend um, Melissa. What um, other Rihanna? Was yeah. <laughs> I'm just trying to think. Like, no, what it's, just, it's just for clarification, so people don't get confused. But um. Yeah, so I guess, what do you think about the idea about anyone becoming an artist manager? Do you think you need special skills like an ear or do you think anyone can anyone can do it and learn as they go along, really? I think there's a lot to learn and it changes so quickly. So if you want to be involved in it, not only would it be good to have some background in music, um, you also have to be very prepared to read and try and stay ahead of what's going on. Um, you mean and, the, the and that's music, difficult yeah in the music, music industry it's okay. it's a lot of research constantly um and also you have to sort of then start speaking to the right people um which isn't always easy but there are some great people out there in the industry who are there to help yeah you know, a lot of people a lot but there's a lot who aren't so i always say there's like this ring of sharks okay around the sort of golden circle yeah, yeah. and because there's a lot of people who've been bitten so there's a lot of people looking to make money off of people who want to be in the industry and there's a lot of people who want to be in the industry ready to be exploited so you have to sort of be aware that you're going to be swimming through this ring of sharks before yeah. you get to the center where there's like actually yeah. the, the good people who understand things and can be honest because they know what they're doing okay if that makes sense yeah no that makes complete sense but yeah it's not something that i say anyone 
could do yeah or so, should mm. do I, I mean anyone could do it but you have to be really prepared for one a lot of heartache a lot of disappointment you have to be mm. very strong mm. um you have to understand that i mean it's always a risk taking on an artist yeah so you have to understand that there's going to be a lot of time that you might put in time for free unless you're taking on a well-established artist or yeah. you know someone who's um had the influence of culture or been on reality tv yeah. and can easily get bookings yeah so that there's there's a lot of risks involved in 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 managing your friend essentially because who's not actually started taking mm. on paid bookings okay. or started making music and to doing it seriously so don't look at it as something that's glitzy i'd say anyone <laughs> out there thinking that they want to go into it because that's not what it is it's just a lot of work it is a lot it's essentially it's a lot of work yeah. and if you don't want to do a lot of admin which there's so much of then you know, don't don't take a step through that door. So just to fully get an idea of how it works and everything. So you said you're in the studio with them. Yes. You said there's a lot of admin work. So yes. when you're in a studio, I'm guessing you just give your opinion on what they're doing. You just make sure they're okay. Um, yeah. Just look after them really. Make so tea, yeah. Make, tea. make sure there's water. That's the right temperature. <laughs> make sure there's water. <laughs> <laughs> um, food, etc. And you said mental health. So you look after them completely. Well, I don't, I mean... I'm well, not, you said no, yeah, yeah. I, I make sure that they're okay. Yeah, like, you know, it's it's more important that they're okay before anything else. Yeah, um, you know, it's, I say it's a tough industry, it's a tough old world out there, but if they're ready, then you know it shows. If they're not, it also shows. You know, they see a lot of sad cases in the music industry where people have got serious mental health issues, and, and it can end really badly. And it's, it's yeah. people pushing them really hard at those times, and I don't think that's okay. Yeah, I mean, Jamal Edwards has a so the founder of SBTV, Jamal Edwards, has a really good documentary on um, mental health in the music industry, mm. um, featuring Jesse J and quite a few UK artists as well. So um, yeah, check that out, guys, if you have any, if you have a moment. Um, so sorry, just back to that. So admin mm -hmm. work. So yes. you fill out a lot of, um, I'm guessing, royalties and stuff yes. like that as so well. PRS have just. Um, release their app to make it easier okay um but yeah there's a lot of form filling out when you're sending stuff off to and what's prs for those that don't know what that is so it's a royalties um collection society um they are are they an org are they a dot org i don't know if they are an org or they're i think i think they're a dot org. i think they are a dot org aren't they yeah so they they're there working on part of behalf of artists they also do a lot of grants um from their foundation so if you're looking for a grant as an artist go check that out i'd say that's a really good place to to start and and if you don't get through they often give you feedback if you get through to round two with your funding application so you can understand what to do better They're a great organization um so they essentially collect your royalties so say if you uh have a song placed on bbc or something you're due some money for it or played on radio or in a public place where they have a license to play music that so you should be getting some money for them Okay. And no, no. This kind of leads into a question I had. So, um, how do you go about getting your artists? Now, this goes into the looks they get. So, mm -hmm. getting, getting radio, radio plugging, getting a publicist. You know, negotiating for bookings and shows or festivals, or if they have enough buzz, record labels or distribution companies. So, where are you in all of that, and how does that work? Of the artists you work with or your experiences um so that means it has to be right the right place for the artist so you've got that's 
I say day one is you research so you understand your artist the music that they're making the type of people that people are looking after um I mean sometimes PR companies will approach you depending on who you're working with so sometimes if you're working with as I say if you work with someone who's who's had reality TV exposure say they've been on The Voice or X Factor or something you often get PR companies come to you if you don't then you're gonna have to work for it or okay. mm. you know unfortunately there's a lot, lot of nepotism so yeah. once again say that again <laughs> there's a lot of nepotism so you'll see that and i'm some, triggered because there's someone in my company that definitely is a product of nepotism continue what you're saying sometimes there's like a roster you'll see and you maybe haven't heard of some of the artists on the roster but it's because if, if a company wants to represent you know a big artist the management company might have you know, smaller artists underneath it and they go, well, yeah, well, you can represent our artists, but you need to represent this artist, this artist, this artist as well to take on this client. So um, you have to see a lot of that happening. So it is a case of just, you know, it's, you've got to research, you've got to network. Um, but I try not to network too heavily. I think because the industry changes so much, it's not very consistent. You'll often find that someone who's in one job six months ago won't be in the same job six months later. Mm. The turnover uh, is incredible. Yeah, it's it's insane. So you have to do it at the right time. So if you have something sort of building, say if you've got a product in a uh, well, product, I don't like to use that term. You have <laughs> a, a body of work that's in the baking and you know it's coming out. You have to find the right person at that right time. Okay. So there's there are some consistent people and they are great. There's some amazingly consistent people within the industry and they can usually point you in the right direction at the right time if you manage to, to, to get connected with them. But it is a case of, finding it at the right time sometimes it is approaching with an angle when it comes to pr um that does help uh, and then you just have to be nice yeah i think that really really works um sometimes i even tweet people to get gigs so i got one of my artists on a, on a gig the other day um she's an lgbt artist and it was to do with the 377 scrapped um so in india they had a law which made it illegal to to be gay essentially oh really um, and that got scrapped so she got put on the roster for that and it was a really good show she really enjoyed it i remember reading about that but i didn't actually see what that got to the india law yeah so it got scrapped oh great great news yeah. um yeah so she, she and i just tweeted so the organizer sometimes that's yeah. it's as simple as that sometimes that, that actually gets me a lot of my contacts to be fair okay um you you've got to be open to to doing all that i actually got rid of my linkedin this week because i prefer to talk to people face to face okay um i'm lucky enough to have a select group of numbers now in my phone that <laughs> i know i know the right dots to to go to to yeah. to, to make the things i want to do work so um yeah it's tough it's, it's a lot of work essentially yeah. that's it it's, it's just and work from morning to night really i kind of want to circle back to what we about being nice because when we went to see trevor nelson this week that was kind of a recurring thing he was saying about you never know who you're talking to. Because mm -hmm. I think, I'm sure Eden probably remembers it better than I do, but there was one guy he kept encountering who was basically moving through the ranks across different roles in the industry they kept encountering. And luckily for him, Trevor wasn't... I'm sure you remember this. It was his boss. I yeah, like his boss, I think... I can't remember um, his boss was. His boss was the son of... Something Black. So I think Tre Trevor went for, well, he was called in for a job role at Virgin EMI to be an A&R. Mm -hmm. And he turned it down for whatever reason. And then that guy ended up being... His boss again. His boss again. Because they bought else. the company. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. So just kind of like, do you want to talk about like how small... Because I can, even from my experiences being in the industry, the industry is extremely, extremely small. 
it's tiny. Like I say, those consistent people, it's a really small group of people. So it is so important to be nice, not just because it's important to be nice every day. Like it, it actually is, you know, you never know what someone's going through. So it's yeah. important. But relationships, basically. Yeah, the, the relationships are, are key. Like, you know, say you, you might get cancelled on on Twitter, but you've not been cancelled, you know, in the background. Yeah. People actually know who you are. So you can, if you're actually decent to people, it can keep you going. I mean, look at people like Will Smith. Like, look how nice he seems. You know, I've not <laughs> met him, but he seems really nice and he, he's done all right. And, mm. and Ed Sheeran seems really, really nice. And look how massive he is. So it's not just important for, you know, the team. It's important for the artist to be nice as well. Mm. Um, I think I say this a lot. Nobody wants to work with someone who's an arsehole. So if you're the best in the world, but you're horrible to work with, people are going to go for the second best in the world if they're really nice to work with. And okay. the majority of people that you spend your time around aren't the first or the second best anyway. Okay. So don't, you know, do you want to have some humility about about a situation? So, there's, yeah. you know, there's no point in being nasty. It's just difficult. It's a small, like say, small industry. It's absolutely tiny. You never know who you're talking to. A lot of people you find will dismiss you very quickly because if you haven't got something to give them, then they're like, oh, well, you know, you haven't got what I need so that you just get dismissed very quickly. But you never know when that person actually might be someone who's going to have something to offer you. And if you've done something that's, you know, a little bit untoward, that, that you're not going to be the first on the list yeah. for, for that opportunity. Okay, that's fair enough. So we spoke about your studio a minute ago. Mm -hmm. We spoke about how it has quite a... I keep trying to find the word to go around tough, what I want to it? say, but <laughs> <laughs> you're trying to avoid the whole masculine like spaceship and stuff like that design of a studio and make uh -huh. it more... So if you want to describe what your studio kind of looks like right now, if you can. So um, it's kind of Miami Art Deco in that it's pink and green. Okay. Um, but then there's just like cactus everywhere because I just really like cactus i think they're a great plant and i can't take care of plants well and they seem to be quite resilient yeah um so and it's got the neon light so one of the walls is pink the other one's green and then all our sound um our sound treatment is all pink and green as well we made it all ourselves we built okay. it from scratch and then it has like gold spots on the wall and a bunch of if you know what they are the um, Swiss cheese leaves, so it's the Monserrata plants. No, I don't know. I what mean, it is, it's no. like a really retro plant. You'll know what it is if you search for it. It's that like really popular plant shape that people have on the, like you know, on the stationery and things. It's, okay. It's a if you search for it, you'll know you'll exactly what I mean. Okay. Cool. Um, yeah, and that's what it, that's what it looks like. Um, and I say I've got I've got one male producer. It's incredible. Um, he's noticed a massive difference in the people that he works with because I've worked with him for years and he's, you know, I have, unfortunately, I've got a list of people in my phone with a little X next to their name if that means they've either tried it on with me or they've tried it on with one of my artists. So it's just not a comfortable situation to be in. And I'm like, if that happens, you can't entertain that situation. A lot of girls will, a lot of girls will pretend they've not got boyfriends because they know that that is the reason why people are trying to work with them. But if that's the first reason that they're trying to work with you, it's really not worth it because yeah. they don't respect your music or you in that way. So it's actually like they're not putting that business first. So, you know, what's that relationship doesn't really matter in the way you think it does. So he's one of the people that I've worked with and it's, that's never happened. And not that you should expect that, but unfortunately it happens kind of enough. Have to. Yeah, it happens enough that you, you, you have to expect that could happen. Hmm. So he's noticed a massive change in that, you know, people feel much more comfortable. They come in and... They're really surprised, like pleasantly surprised. Like it's like actually this is, this is, 
Oh gosh, there's a lot going on. Sorry, there's, I don't know what's going on outside. There seems to be a lot of kids running around. Give me a sec, go on. Oh. We'll pause for two seconds because everyone's just moving mad. One sec. All right, sorry guys, it was getting really hot in here. Um, we just turned the fan on and the fan makes a lot of noise. Um, also some kids ran into the room. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think the last place, I, sorry, so much has happened since the last time that we spoke. I think we were just talking about artist management, obviously. Mm-hmm. And um, you were talking about how some of your artists have to lie about having boyfriends, mm-hmm. how you have exes in your phone next to certain people's names mm-hmm. because they've ever tried it on with you or something along those lines. And I think we're aware of those things. When I say we, I think men, we're aware of that these type of things happen. But we kind of brush it under the, the surface. We don't really talk about it as much as we should. Mm-hmm. So let's make this an opportunity to talk about that. So let's talk about the way that women should be approached in music, um, the way that um, some of your artists have struggled because of some i know you said you want to keep some of your artist mm-hmm. secret because of embargo but i guess you can kind of give us an overview of oh yeah like how what's happened scenarios and yeah like exactly that, that so Absolutely. yeah talk about that like what's what situation can you give where something has seemed really off with someone and it's it's come to be true um it's not so much that things seem off i mean you never really get that feeling anyway people lead you down a sort of gone path okay of, sort of having like a pretense of like working together because there's a lot of collab- collaboration that goes on in, in music um but that's ev- never their actual intention so when you're actually trying to chat about that stuff the conversation always moves people try and turn meetings into dates which is really awkward that i mean that's happened to me before and i had to kind of make a power move which i don't really like to do and like then just sort of like actually we're going to move this meeting to somewhere else where i you know knew the the bar staff and things and and I was like, right, and I'm going to sort this bill. And this is not a date. Like this was meant to be a meeting and it's just turned into a date. And well, from your side, but not from my side. Yeah. Um, so things like that have happened, <laughs> which is terrible. Like it's, it's, it's quite sad actually, mm. really, that, that those things do happen. But, but I was going to cut you off quickly. And this yeah. is me being very honest. Yeah. So obviously we've met before. Yes. So we went to Pro-Manger uh-huh. and we had a conversation about squat and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I was really conscious of that meeting because I wanted to make sure that you knew it was completely professional. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like that's something that a lot of men need to do. Mm-hmm. Not that I'm commending myself. I'm not saying that I'm this great person, but I feel like there needs to be a certain level of decorum when it comes to having mm-hmm. business mm-hmm. meetings with women. Yeah. Um, and it's a shame we have to say things like that. Um, but it is the case. A lot of men do use it to their advantage. They do try to get more out of the situation um, than they should do. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to make that point that it's something that we should be aware of. Um, yeah, I, I but mean, the thing is, I I think we are aware of it. They just know that they're abusing it. Yeah, that's what it is. They literally just know that they are abusing it. They know they're in a power move, mm-hmm. patriarchal society. So they know exactly what they're doing. Music execs know what they're doing. Artists have been offered to suck someone's dick to get a contract. You know. Um, I feel like they Sleeping know. With tracks, so let's stop acting that. like, I just think we give ourselves too much credit as men. Like, oh, like maybe we don't know. We need to think, but we, we know. It's okay. about it's about checking other men when you know, like cheeky group chats, like, oh, I'm just taking this guy. It's kind of like that. You have to kind of check your friendship circle or, or cancel friends. Like, unfortunately mm-hmm. you might have to cancel friends to 
to make them really see the message and they still probably won't see mm. the error of their ways but I think it's more of just a toxic the music industry is toxic from my experience in it being a writer and stuff and speaking to artists and stuff it's it's a toxic place so I think it's not the fact of waking people up but the fact of actually taking action off of their action but yeah that's just my perspective and I completely agree completely agree with everything you said even in my experiences I've seen some heinous things I've heard some heinous things being said in many of the environments that I've been in and I don't think it's a case of we don't know so like Nick said we do know in 2018 we are very very much way even if you are one of those that perpetuate these disgusting behavior traits you know you know yeah so the, the point I was making is not that we don't know but we should be more conscious of the fact that it's happened to women before so we need to be extra obvious with our moves so for example say say you've gone to a meeting with someone before so pointing at Vanessa I know you can't see me but <laughs> say you've gone to a meeting before with someone Vanessa and he was obviously thinking it was something completely different mm-hmm. I need to be aware that that might be a situation that's happened before so that if if I'm meeting you somewhere I need to be like okay I need to make sure that she knows that it's it's a it's a business meeting mm-hmm. um and that's where i think the extra work should come from for men but that's the thing though mm. obviously when vanessa would set up this meeting with so and so the man should know that it's professional <laughs> yeah he should no, they but met under the pretense of working together with an artist or music so why would the guy then turn around and i think, get i mean i get what you're it's saying it's not for him to know it's for her to, to know feel that safe, he knows yeah no, I, I get what you, you mean do you understand what do you understand i feel I mean? like i feel like it's 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 double sided. I think with some women that would work, and I'm gonna I'm not gonna make the assumption. This is just in my head. Not I'm not speaking for women, but I'm just saying. I think some women will definitely, in my perspective, take that as a sign of oh my god, I love that. But some women will be offended by that. Like I think it's just about being a human being. Mm. Like what the idealistic sense of being a human being is just going to the meeting. If you say it's a business meeting on an email, it's a business meeting on the email. You mm. go there, you just courteous, you know, friendly, you know, you have to keep up rapport and stuff like that, but friendly, not flirting. Just, just normal things like that. You don't have to, I think with some women, I get it. Like in some scenarios, if you know that they've been through stuff, like you can literally just say like, I know like it's honestly just going to be a meeting like, and we can meet in a professional location, whatever, and take the extra precautions. But I think with some women, it will even come as an offense, like, because it's kind of like, you don't, it's kind of babying them in a way, like the other, the other sense of the thing, kind of like, oh, don't like, don't worry, kind of thing like that, pacifying them almost. But I think even some women who've been through abuse, they just want to forget it and, be seen as a it's like disabilities like some people just want to be treated normal not overcompensated for just have their not patronized do you know what I, yeah that, i think that's yeah. the, the term i'm coming for but i get your perspective some women definitely and some men regardless like some but women in this issue um should definitely some will like that approach and i think it's key with those those people that you contextualize that of being but i think some of them would it depends how you approach it. I know someone like Eden, because I only associate myself with men who act in the right way, but um, I know someone like Eden, you wouldn't do it in that way, but some men may act like patronizing with it or it may come across as patronizing. So I think- Okay, I get it. Do you get what I mean? Yeah, I get what you like, mean. Like okay. they overdo it and yeah, then yeah. it just becomes like patronizing, but I, I completely get it. It's coming from the heart and it's a good place. And I, I know you would do it right, but I just think 
just he's just it's just being a decent fucking human being yeah. in 2018 yeah. it's like racism just like just be fucking a decent don't be a human dick being. like, like you know what i mean it's just like that's basically what it is right <laughs> yeah, like don't be a dick like, hell. that's the name of the episode <laughs> friendly things as sexual cues like what the hell like yeah, anyway go on it's, it's it is really tough because that is that is the bottom line of it like don't be a dick but it's, it is also about we need to call it out a bit more i think in the industry mm. we're so scared because it is small so yeah. you're so scared of being cancelled. I think women are still scared of that. You know, it's it's sad that we sort of put a man's reputation over a woman's whole life. Yeah. Yes. Or a man puts like the need <laughs> yes. to have pleasure for a minute over a woman's whole life. Because, <sighs> you know, being assaulted or being raped or being, you know, harassed in that way can affect you for a very for long life. time. For life. For life. It sucks well for life. Insanely long time. And, it would you know, stick I had this some. conversation with one of my artists the other day what if men were the weaker sex, but they still have the same mentality? We'd feel so much better. We'd be like, yeah, cool. You go do what you're doing, but I'm going to beat you up because, mm, you know, yeah. I can't. But we can are, we're, we're in a situation yeah. where we actually feel powerless and people do take advantage of that. Yeah. And when it comes to a situation where people are dealing with people's careers as well, on top of that, it 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 does. It's the power dynamic play. And that's, what, is, that's yeah. what a lot of the, the situation is. And I think it's like taking back that, con- that control and that power, but people do struggle i mean we we see so many people not get cancelled i mean there's a lot of stuff going on around the conversation around r kelly and he's a legend in r&b and it's like what's really going on there like is there a real huge problem which people have been talking Mm. around in the background Mm. even the bill cosby discussion like the reactions to that like i think it's a case of it's a case of like it's just a case of people being so ignorant and like the personality overriding someone's life. Like you kind of made a similar distinct, made a similar distinction with what you just said about the woman's life over the man's reputation. Mm-hmm. It's kind of just like, yeah, the it's exactly the same scenario. R. Kelly, Bill Cosby's reputation and what they stood for for the black community in their respective fields mm-hmm. versus the woman or women or yeah, woman or women who've been through sexual trauma. Mm-hmm. Mm. And men, apparently. Yeah. But saying that, in regards to Me Too and Time's Up, I do feel that the needle has shifted in quite significant means in terms of movie industry, TV, whereas I mm-hmm. think it is moving at a snail's pace in the music industry. Absolutely. And yeah. I keep saying this, whenever it happens, because it's going to happen, Arcade's going to, they're going to get him. Like, it's, <laughs> it's, it's on the way. Like, I don't think that's going to happen. I, well, that's another day. I think it's going to happen. And I think... The reason why people are so scared for that to happen is because just like how Harvey Weinstein opened the lid on the rest of the t- acting industry, like um, what was the guy from House of Cards? Kevin Spacey. Kevin, Kevin Spacey. Spacey. That guy's trash. Bill man. Cosby, mm-hmm. Alec Baldwin. But it's intense though because isn't there a racial element in this? Because it's black women with R. Kelly. That's no, of thing. course. Of That's course. why yeah. I think they no, might not. No, of course. Come but even but even recently, like um, one of the Backstreet Boys was accused like last what? year. But it, it literally was news for like two days. Yeah. And just swept under the rug. Yeah. Oh wow. But what I think Aaron yeah. Carter, no yeah. Nick Carter, so Nick, Nick Carter. Nick Carter. Yeah, yeah. He was accused of like um, being um misappropriate with a female oh, eyes. Yeah. And that about that. was just a quick thing. Mm-hmm. And now saying that it just been swept under the rug. Russell Simmons, what's going on with him? Like many people, yeah. men and women have come out and said spoken about how sexually and mentally abusive he was mm. to people he worked with, mm-hmm. artists he signed. Yeah. And these things just didn't gain any traction. Absolutely. And what he so did saying too. that, I would say the acting industry, there actually has been some actual change that mm-hmm. we're seeing mm-hmm. even mm-hmm. just 
being acknowledged at the place like the Oscars and Golden Globes, whereas mm-hmm. that with music, it hasn't it's scary, been the same. Actually, how it's not happened because I was really shocked when. But no, Nick, you're right. There is definitely a racial element with RK particular, but there even, is, yeah. even with white people who have done the same things, it's just been yeah. quick. Yeah. Like I was really concerned when Lady Gaga did a song with R. Kelly. That really shocked me because she did do what you want to my body with R. Kelly oh. after the whole. Yeah, I remember that. Well, you know, Dave Chappelle sang it best probably. Um, thing had happened mm. you know what i'm talking about are you too young to know no, what i'm talking about pissy yeah. i know <laughs> okay. oh yeah, yeah yeah okay i was like oh okay no, no, I know. <laughs> and i was really shocked because lady gaga seemed to be a bit of a you know someone who flies a flag for that situation and the, the video has been taken down i don't know if the song has been taken i don't down think it ever well. came out the video never came out no i saw it oh, did it come out yeah yeah that just lasted like one week i never saw that video yeah yeah it came out so i was really shocked that she, that happened in the first place because i was like i'm you know what's going on here so I, know they performed it few, I know they performed it a few times but i didn't know the video actually came yeah, out yeah that was before me too it happened so i was you know at that point i was still like this this isn't okay it does seems a bit odd from, from no, but even that i don't think social media had started really tackling um um ardently those kind of issues so it's not so much social media it's more the people working with him because that's where the problem mm. is. It's not social media that's the problem. Social media you can call it out all day long. It's the people in the industry who are going to continue working with people yeah. in those positions. That's the problem. Yeah, and, and that I'm going to be and I'm going to be super <laughs> cynical and say that I do not think it's moving at the pace in either industry that it needs to be moving. And I think that the acting industry there's just a lot of individuals, but the whole industry is fucked up well, in no, that no, kind no, of no, sense. No. I think in in music, obviously, it's moving at sales pace. We all know, um, but I just think there's people wearing those those fucking badges there's people wearing those mm-hmm. things at the mm-hmm. award shows there's people at these parties saying i support you last just to get her into the room the same <laughs> they're doing they're using the same hashtag to get her in the room to like but, do you know what like what half I'm of saying, these people I'm are still that, doing it some girls getting abused right now like i'm gonna be really like it's happening right now of course but what i'm saying what i'm saying is that Yes, of course, with acting, it's definitely been, at the moment, individuals. But it's going to take, obviously, a long time before there's a, um, you know, a real lion's share overhaul of yeah. an industry. But I can say with movies and television, there has been a few individuals where we've seen adverse change happen. Like because mm-hmm. But do you guys now. really think there'll be a day in our generation? Do you guys really think there'll be a day where it's actually done like no it's actually no like no in our generation finished. but what i'm saying is that we're working i think the movie industry is working towards that much quicker than we are no no so no. I'm, i get you and so what i'm saying i'm saying this now like it's gonna be slow anyway because yeah. it's not just about movies and mm-hmm. television and glitz and glamour it's a general societal mm-hmm. gendered thing racialization these all these things patriarchy that you know fucks up the entire world outside of entertainment but i'm saying with movies it's we're seeing we're actually seeing tangible change Mm -hmm. it's gonna be slow because there are obviously loads of other actors and actresses who are behaving inappropriately but with music we're not releasing anything yeah that's what i'm saying that's it is to me it blows my mind and as i say from my perspective it's scary that is really the main reason why i started managing my best friend because i was like i don't want this to happen to, to you, you yeah. in this industry mm. i know what it's like like so you just he, don't want that here's a quick question what do you think about men managing women then do you feel like women are much they pick up on the signs much faster than a man would when it comes to dealing with men who are like obviously in the game for the completely wrong reasons um i mean if mm. that's quite vague <laughs> that's quite what well, i vague like the, the way you, it's it's difficult because there are people who are in the industry 
like you say, for the wrong reasons. They're yeah. there for the glitz and glamour and they're there because they think, let's find a young, attractive girl okay. who looks nice and is sexy because for some reason, that needs know, to be a thing. that's still a, a thing to a lot of people in their minds and, yeah. and then they, you know, they take it too far. But I think there's lots of men out there who are absolutely fine, like, mm. you know, almost father figures or just really good friends or just yeah. really good colleagues. There's so many men who are amazing. This isn't about, you know, I don't like to be, it's not all men. It's, it isn't all men. It's mm. actually... A minority, but it doesn't mean they're not doing it to multiple people. Yeah. No, but I mean, uh, the reason I and asked the, that question. The hush hush culture. And I was going to say, mm-hmm. the patriarchy isn't, it, it doesn't dislike, it doesn't not exclude women because there are some enablers there that mm-hmm. obviously are yeah, scared of absolutely. the men and who will lead the girls to the, to the men. Patriarchal princesses, kind of that's what I call them. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think you have a valid point there as well, like what you said. No, but the reason I asked that question is because I feel like, um, from speaking to, I have a lot of friends who are artists as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and from speaking to them, it's it seems like sometimes women are much quicker to pick up on certain signs. Mm-hmm. There's certain red flags mm-hmm. that they pick mm-hmm. up on much quicker. Obviously, if you've been in the industry for a while as a man, there's going to be certain things that you notice straight away and you're going to be like, okay, you're working with my artists for completely wrong reasons mm-hmm. or incorrect reasons. But I'm just wondering, just because I don't know anything about artist management personally, do you think it would, well, did you think it'd be much easier um, for a man, or sorry, for a woman to manage a woman? I think I do pick up on those things quickly. Yeah. Just, just because I'm a woman, I think it's just it's not just artist management, it's just the world. You notice those things instinct. straight away. Yeah, It's an instinct thing. Like, you know, not, you just feel it in your gut when yeah. something's off or wrong, like you say. And you can tell, you can usually tell when someone has got your best interests at heart, but then, you know, there's the small amount of sociopaths in the world that yeah. <laughs> are very good at hiding that. Um, and I mean, unfortunately, money is a very good tool to have mm. from mm-hmm. a female's perspective in the industry because you can just walk in with your contract in hand, pay for the services that, you know, you've just asked someone to provide for you. And then that's it. It's a business transaction. But as we know, there's so much collaboration that goes on and there's lots of people struggling and trying to get into the industry. And that's where the problems are, where people are being taken advantage of there. Yeah, mm. the vantage points. Okay. Okay, that's fair enough. I don't really have um, more questions about that, to be honest. Did you two have, any, have anything more I think to we say? covered quite a lot. It was quite deep. <laughs> yeah? It went deep for me, Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just want to say that I completely respect everything you do and you're so necessary. And I think in the future, if I encounter any artists that are going through it, I'll send them your way in terms of just safe spaces, even if they don't get managed by you, but just usual services to feel that sense of security. So thank you for doing what you do. And it is a sense of activism. So oh, awesome. I mean, we're yeah. looking to work with some new artists at the moment anyway. So mm. um, one of our producers is looking to find some great songwriters and artists to work with because we mm. like to work on I would say music we like we like what so. genres does he cover um, for people listening so kind of like a he's I mean he's exceptionally eclectic but his music is a beautiful R&B with an element of pop to it I'd say okay um yeah sounds good I just want to click quickly clarify that I don't think that we're gonna see a change in the street in the next five years. Shop, hey, shut up. I was being cynical. Like, we, just, everyone got what you meant. Just in case so. people thought, think I'm being too idealistic. Obviously, this is years and generations of ingrained thinking and mentalities that need to be, you know, eradicated. So You're a smart guy. We all knew. Well, you work in music. Well, like, we, you clarified I need that. to just, you know, make sure I'm represented quickly. You know, represented well. 
So, yeah. As okay. I said last week, this PC show, guys. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, we just want to talk about pop music just quickly, don't we? <laughs> we want to, so obviously, Britney Spears yeah. coming up. Exactly. Oh, so Vanessa, the Holy, perspective. The Holy <laughs> Spirit. <laughs> so Vanessa is obviously a Britney Spears fan. Um, not a stan, not, you said. So. Am I a stan? I mean, I bought merch. That yeah, that's your stand. That's stand behavior. Stan, play stand <laughs> Eminem. Play stand Eminem. Do you have a Beyonce? I actually don't think I do. So what do you have I mean, then? I actually, the only thing I actually have is a D'Angelo shirt actually. So and I well, I'll take my D'Angelo stand. So okay, you're fucking rude. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised that D'Angelo sold shirts. He doesn't wear them in his videos. But anyway, anyway, <laughs> 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 that was one video. <laughs> Anyways, I mean it was the video though, wasn't it? It was, and and it was a great video. It sounds a, amazing. And I have a Janelle Monae t-shirt. So that's a D'Angelo Janelle Monae. So you are a stand. Shopee's like a stand of four people right yeah, now. No, we're more than that. We should make a stand list. I'm a stand of many people. Okay. We need to get this agenda out. There's just two people that I like. And I'm two yeah. people? I never had this agenda. What agenda? agenda? I'm talking to Eden. <laughs> what agenda did I have? Good night, guys. <laughs> Chamomile and tea. Chamomile and tea. Apparently. I love music. I love many artists. But I am a stand. Okay, this isn't about you. <laughs> Vanessa, let's talk about is. pop music. Snoring now, guys. Just to give you an update. Let's I'm talk snoring. about pop music. So let's talk about the pop scene. Obviously, we gave some advice. Well, not advice, but we spoke about what we think it takes for a black male artist to be in the pop scene at the moment. Nick suggested they kind of export their music to the to Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, good idea. Shopping. the same thing. Go to Europe or go to the States. Yeah, yeah good idea. Yeah. But what do you think in terms of pop in the UK, in the US? What, what's your overview of pop at the, mu- at the moment? I mean, from a business perspective, thankfully, I'm not dealing with that because it's so complex. It's probably the hardest market to get in front of and the most expensive market to get in yeah. front of because your fans are younger and they are not, I mean, as much as they're active on social media, they're kind of a bit more brainwashed. I know it sounds awful, but they are being given the music that they love and that mm. they just realise that they love it. So if it's been on X Factor or it's just playing on radio all the time. Yeah. So, you, you know. Force-fed. Yeah, they're force-fed it. And, you know, the, the songs that have the most money put into them each year are the ones that do the best for a reason. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. it's just it's familiarity. Like, they're not searching for this other stuff. So from a business perspective, I, you know, I, can't, I can't really say anything. Um, but from a fan perspective, like, just make good music. Yeah. Like, make really good music. Um, I mean, as much as I'm a Britney fan, I'm, a, I'm also a big fan of the people behind the scenes with Britney. Mm. So the choreographers, because she wouldn't be the legend she is without the people who've been behind the scenes. And, you know, Pharrell and Max Martin and Danger, the, the best album, the best Britney album. Okay. Um, For Blackout. Yeah, the yes. Blackout. Yes. So, you know, it's in the Hall of Fame. And Rolling Stones Hall of Fame because it is an amazing album. I listen to that still all the time. Freak Show is a great song. It's a great song. Great song. I've only recently got into that song as well. That's really odd. Oh, really? Yeah, because I, I kind that of... That was always a standout for me, that song. Yeah, I, 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 I was into Break the Ice and... Um, no, I only just started listening to Freak Show really recently in the, in the last year. So I'm still discovering new Britney songs. I mean, she's got so many. I mean, you will do if you've signed to a kind of deal that she did in the first place with lots of albums and mm. you've got to sing whatever someone tells you and if you have a long album deal. But that's the thing. I think that was the first album where she was actually involved and actually cared. It was an insane time as well in her yeah. life. Yeah. She was going through a lot. Um, and she spoke about this recently. She did an interview with The Fader 
last year to honor the 10th anniversary and she did mm-hmm. a long in-depth interview about where she was in her life and what the recording process was like and like how she had never been so creatively involved up until the album and it is her best album yeah nathaniel hills did a great job of the songs that he was working on danger kerry hilson mm-hmm. sean garrett she, yep mm-hmm. oh i forgot about sean garrett mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. sean garrett yeah, had some good songs <laughs> that's where it's Britney bitch came from mm. Sean Garrett no Danger the, uh, that oh, album yeah, yeah it's all, I mean, it was all going off that album just was everything it's great so quick question yeah. why are you a Britney stan I don't know not that <laughs> not that I'm indirecting Britney Spears it's, or anything it's like. really really I think the older you get and my other because I was always the first Britney stan like I wasn't a Britney stan when I was younger and she first came out with a baby one more time everyone loved that song still it's a classic but I wasn't a stan then okay I was into Destiny's Child and you know Aaliyah and all that back then that was that was where I was okay um and I used to listen to like DMX and you know Eminem a lot as come quite, through yeah, yeah. that I was mean, an era all yeah. of them <laughs> that was the time and and you know the chronic back then and now you yeah, listen to 2001 it and I'm listening to, to it again today <laughs> um it was later on I think when you start to appreciate Britney a bit more, one, the songs are easy to, to take in. They're well-produced, you know, the well-written majority of them. She yeah. gets given hits on a play because she gets to work with the most incredible writers. Yeah, she's um, Britney Spears, yeah. And yeah, I mean, The Slave For You, that's when I think I turned. I was like, yeah, that's it. <laughs> it's for this real. video, this choreography, you've got to find the video. Well, it wasn't on YouTube at the time, but now you can watch it on YouTube, slowed down, mirrored. So you can learn the choreography if you want to. I'm not saying that I have. I feel like you have. I feel like that's what she's trying to say indirectly. <laughs> I'm not going to say Nicole Richie come and have a dance off with me over it because she was she smashed that choreography. Okay. Um. But yeah, I just I just I, I just I can really just relate to the feelings that Britney gives me with her songs. So, okay. You know, her voice suits what she does. Yeah. You know, you, you get what you expect from Britney Spears. So she doesn't like to say that she doesn't sing the songs in the concert but I've heard all the songs she, she did at the, her most recent piece of me tour and they sound exactly like they did on the CD so if <laughs> she lip syncs though <laughs> well they, they say they call it back that she uses backtrack. a backtrack yeah no your lip syncs let's call a spade a spade <laughs> yeah. Yeah. she's okay. a performer she, not a yeah. singer she doesn't she's not uh, a performer anymore either but yeah that's what she was at her prime anyway yeah well yeah. if you some of the songs she can dance so when it comes to Blur, she was really going for it. She was on the floor giving it some grind. I was like, what, what Britney? Song? Blur? What's Blur? So it's on, um, I think it's on the Circus album. Oh, don't know that one. Yeah, and, but That's when it came to Give Me More, they brought out a poll and they didn't use it. Can I just say something? That's Give the me. first time I've ever heard Chopé say he doesn't know a song. <laughs> I just find that surprising, personally. <laughs> That's just me. That's the first time I've ever heard him say that. It's my wide-ranging pop knowledge. Oh, it's very specific. <laughs> oh my God, I'm a stan, aren't I? Yeah, oh you are. God, you are I a stan. Am. I'm a stan. But I don't, no, is it, we're discussing Britney. We've got to obviously discuss, you know, her rivals. Like, so what are your thoughts on, you know, the other blonde bombshells of the time? You know, Christina Aguilera, Jessica Simpson, Mandy Moore. I won't be discussing her again. Because <laughs> of what I said last week. Um, only Christina matters, really. But let's so, hear the other three. I mean, oh. <laughs> Genie in a Bottle amazing song um i really like christina but she she just never had what it was for me i think it was that she was always quite sexy 
And I couldn't relate to that as someone younger. Okay. Wasn't Britney sexy from the beginning though? Well, she was a bit, but she's also still dressed as a schoolgirl. And then she did but, things like crazy, which wasn't that sexy. It was quite fun. But I'm sure you saw her Rolling Stone cover on the bed when she was 17 years old. Yeah, well, I probably didn't see that actually. I don't really think, what was I doing? I was like, no, I was still so who's school. the stand here really? <laughs> <laughs> no, well, this is doing a lot of the stands, and, I, I, and all three of us have wide ranging music knowledge. Yeah, I was I was buying L magazine then. I wasn't really buying like magazines like that. I don't think you know that started till much later. Um, I mean, I'm Jessica Team Simpson. Christina. I really did. She, she's the one who did that show, right, with her husband, Nick Lahey. I, I kind of liked how open she was. Like she used to pass wind a lot, and I was like, you know what? Most girls <laughs> won't get away with that. Wait, what? Where are we going? Where are we going with this? Um, musically, she had that one song that was okay. What was it? She was dancing with on you? a roof. No, and it was you know she was dancing on a roof. Irresistible. Yeah, I quite like that. I did. I really liked that song at the, at the time. Eden is just surprised that I know all of this right now. <laughs> I am. I'm genuinely. I'm not Man- not for any reason in particular. I'm just. I didn't know you knew Britney like that. So this is just a simple now. Yeah. Just a oh my bad. <laughs> um, <laughs> Sorry. So that's that's me, guys. More songs. You maybe can remember some Madden. I do know a few others. Of yeah. course you do. No, and I'm saying I just know them. I'm not a Jessica Simpson fan, Stan. but I just know Stan is the one. I'm hell no. I don't think there are any. Are there any Jessicas? Is that a thing? I don't think so. <laughs> I don't know why there would be. In their cowboy boots somewhere. Ah, <laughs> oh, that's yeah. Oh yeah, these boots were made for walking. She yeah. had that song too. Yeah, yeah. But no, I'm, I'm but team. But it's no, Chris- I love rock and roll. I'm team Christina. Mm. Oh really? I'm a Christina fan. Oh really? You know what? I really love. I do like Christina, but I just didn't connect to her in the same. I didn't connect to her music in the same way I like Bionic vo- was like I like vocalists so I like songwriters you know, I Shades understand Britney. that yeah oh, okay yeah I understand that I do you know I, I, I'm not I like you say call a spade a spade like I know what I'm getting when I went to go to Britney Spears I took one of my best friends and she was having a really bad day and we got to Britney and we literally both had the best day of our life she bought more merch than me she was buying patches you know to put on a jacket oh was, wow yeah it was, wow. it was all going off we have Britney Spears slumber parties and oh wow I really would like to and you call yourself a non-stan <laughs> exactly you're That's a fucking stan. stan I'd really like to because what we do is we like sort of you know, we'll watch a video and we'll just do the choreography with a glass of wine or That's whatever. And I'd really like to like extend that invitation to other people. It's like, it's not an official dance class. We're just going to learn the choreography for a while and then we'll show you what it is at the end if you can't pick it up. Oh no, Vanessa, this, is, this is stand behavior. I'm sorry. I think sorry. <laughs> to round up. So just for everyone out there, what's your favorite Britney song, favorite Britney video? Um, favorite Britney video, Slay For You, definitely. Um, my favorite Britney song... Oh, I really can't decide. It's just kind of going to have to be the whole Blackout album because it's just full of the best hits. Okay. Honourable mention goes to Overprotected. You just had to get that in there, didn't you? <laughs> just had to. That's my favourite Britney song. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's everything. Um, we wanted to try something different this episode. Let us know what you think at DatsPod on Twitter, Instagram. Yeah, that's all we have right now, isn't it? Yeah, Twitter and Instagram. Um if you have any questions whatsoever, obviously send them to the same place as well. As Nick said in the beginning, leave it like a review or something on iTunes, um, SoundCloud. Follow us on the streaming platform that you're using at the moment. And yeah, this has been a really fun episode. I've learned a lot about artist management, mm. um, a lot about women in the industry. And yeah, it was really good. So, yep, you've been listening to Eads McKenzie on Don't Let The Stands. I'm here with Nick as well. And we're here with Chopin. And Vanessa. Brilliant. Thank you. Thank you. Brilliant show. And my plug-in has to come. Sorry, guys. Every single episode. So, 
if you want to become a pop star like Britney Spears, how was that segue? How's that segue? Someone rate me. All right, no one's rating me, cool. Just but if you want to become, <laughs> if you want to become a pop star like Britney Spears, there's a mobile app for that. So Squat Studios, we are currently working on version two. I've spent money this week working on the second version to improve it and make it much better. Um, we're changing a lot of things. We're a mobile app for recording studios in the UK. Slowly growing, got a few interests from a few people. And the way it works, you download it on your phone. We're on iOS at the moment. Find the nearest recording studio to you. Book it through the app and just go and record your song and become the next Britney Spears. And yeah, that's all from us today, guys. Hope you have a beautiful morning, afternoon, evening. And you've been listening to Don't Let the Stands. Thanks. Thanks.